Hey there, welcome back to the Uncovered Dish Christian Leadership Podcast, the podcast that uncovers stories, equips leaders, and changes the world. And we are your hosts, James Lee. And Gabby Corbett. And today, our awesome guest is Olu Brown. Olu Brown is a former church planter and the former lead pastor of Impact Church in Atlanta, Georgia. He's a coach, a consultant, and a facilitator who helps leaders execute their vision. I love that line. Welcome. We're so glad to have you Thank you, Gabby. Thank you, James. Yeah, so glad that you're here. Glad to be here. It's been a while. It has. We've been (laughs) through a lot over these last few years. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, the last time you were here was uh, five years ago when we were on the podcast and that was before the pandemic and you were leading uh impact church and during that conversation you were talking about how online church it can't be just a side thing it has to be considered a third campus that's it for impact church Mm -hmm. um a lot has happened a lot in the last Mm -hmm. five years Mm -hmm. so first tell us briefly how Mm -hmm. did you uh, lead impact church through the pandemic and then what is Olu Brown doing these days? So uh, not well as related to leading through the pandemic uh, in the early days. I was talking to a group earlier and mentioned at the beginning of the pandemic, really was just struggling with my own faith and, and brought all of our leaders together. And we were ready uh, under my leadership. And thankfully, they didn't listen to my leadership at that time just to cut everything because I was leading out of fear. And it turned out to be one of the best financial years that our church had, in addition to all of the other things that came along with that. But it really taught me a lesson about leadership and leading through faith and not fear. And that then set the, set the tone for the uh, remaining years that none of us knew we would be going through uh, for COVID-19. So I tried my best to be a leader of faith, a leader of strategy and innovation, Thankfully, we had made some investments in technology before the pandemic, and that's technology around generosity, technology around live stream. So we didn't struggle as much, unfortunately, uh, as some churches did, unfortunately, struggle during the pandemic. And then um, coming out of the pandemic last year, uh, I retired from pastoral ministry. Congratulations. It's <laughs> a big Thank deal. You. We like yeah, that, yeah. right? In June of 2022, there's this clause in the Methodist system where you can do 20 years and retire with uh, full rights and privileges. And so literally uh, last summer was 20 years for me. And sometimes clergy colleagues would say, oh, Lou, why are you leaving? But the real question was, where am I going? And Mm -hmm. so my journey has taken me to be a coach, a consultant and a facilitator, continuing to author and also guest professor at some institutions and get a chance to travel and meet great people like uh, the two of you and so many others and work with you. It's it's a it's a blessing. Yeah, that's awesome. 20 years. I only got 10 more of those left. Hey, <laughs> hey. yeah, <laughs> it's a journey. It is, it is. So as somebody who's spending a lot of time now coaching folks and yes. working with them, what are the common problems that you're seeing yeah emerge from Christian leaders and how are you helping people navigate through that? Yeah. How do you manage the variables of leadership? So most times we are okay with those things that are consistent. Mm -hmm. And in particular in denominations, there can be some level of consistency. But as we see in the United Methodist Church and other denominations, there have been some variables that have been introduced, whether it is theology or a split or a disagreement. 
And so we knew how to lead when things were more unified or things were more streamlined. But whenever there is a variable introduced into the system, it literally uh, causes the people, the systems, the structures to reset. And resetting isn't easy. So that's something we talk quite a bit about uh, in my journey of helping to consult, coach, and facilitate. It's awesome. So there's no secret. I want to just let everyone know. I think Olu Brown is the best coach in the world. No. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, you, Jen. You've helped me navigate through a lot of different challenges. But uh, without sharing too much details, I just want to hear some stories. Like, were there any instances where... um, you were coaching a leader mm-hmm. and you've s- experienced transformational change in the leader you were coaching. And yeah. also, how is it shaping you now yeah. at, in your uh, ministry and in your faith? So a couple of things I learned. I wish I would have started the coaching practice earlier in my ministry. I would have been a much better leader, a much better pastor. Mm-hmm. I spent too much time as a pastor supervising and trying to be a boss. And I really wasn't that great of a boss most times, <laughs> as opposed to being a coach that comes alongside, raises vital yeah. questions. Tell me more. What is this about? How does this make you feel? Why did you react this way? I would have done much better and really would have served those I was in partnership with in ministry as a volunteer or a staff in, in, a, in a better way. So I encourage everyone, even if you aren't uh, planning to be a full-time coach or coach anyone, mm-hmm. get coaching training. It will really yeah. help elevate your work uh, that you do in any organization or any field. But in those coaching experiences, you always listen, as my professor taught me, for the aha moment. And that's the moment when you know they get it. And it just really comes into alignment. And the thing we teach in coaching, you already have the answer. You already have the solution. We work and help raise vital questions that lead you to unearthing uh, those answers or networking in your system uh, to resource those answers. And those are very powerful moments in particular for the person being coached, but I think also equally for uh, the coach. And then from my own uh, experience of really uh, understanding that I don't have to know all the answers. And really, that's the opposite of coaching, having the answers, (laughs) instructing the answers, but trusting the moment. I was taking some acting courses with a group uh, some years ago. (laughs) We were working on learning, becoming better communicators. And one of the things they taught was to trust the pause, P-A-U-S-E. And um, so often, even in life, we don't like a pause because we always want to fill that moment in with something, some noise, some activity. But how do you trust that moment, even if it's a silent moment, that what you need in that moment is actually taking place? And so being a coach has helped me to trust the pause in my life, the pause in other people's lives, and not just to try through anxiety or fear to fill that with something just for the sake of filling it. Mm. That's so good. Yeah. (laughs) I think, so yeah, trusting the pause, that's exactly the phrase that I gave when I was training my small group leaders. Yes. You know, uh, when you're leading a small group for the first time, you think you have to have all the answers to the Bible study questions. (laughs) And it's like, no, Mm -hmm. I I told them to enjoy the silence. Yes, that's it. That's a great expression. Just to let it loom. Mm -hmm. And people will begin to share. Like, don't feel like it. you have to yeah. jump in. Fill right? in the moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. so good. 
so today you were here with a couple of our leaders here yes. in G&J. What was mm -hmm. going on today? Can you give us a brief summary? So um, I've been very fortunate to uh, be an author of a recent book called Normalizing Next, which focuses on not waiting, uh, but living our next right now. Yeah. And there are always great reasons of why we need to delay something, money, followers, supporters, et cetera. But what does it look like when we take ownership of our lives and with the power of the Holy Spirit and God and all of those things in the mix, we say we're going to take the risk right now. So this book covers some critical areas um, of leadership in and beyond the local church, from vision casting to structure to uh, raising generosity and a number of other things. So here in the Greater New Jersey Annual Conference, I get the privilege of coming once a month and meeting with clergy and lay from uh, a number of churches here in the annual conference. And so today uh, our focus was on leadership in general. And we talked about leading with compassion and wisdom, um, being an anticipatory leader, what it means to be a curious leader and also what it means to be a visionary leader. And so as we left, I asked in this particular season, which of these types of leadership could add the most value in your context. We can't always do all, uh, right. that's why we have teams, but in some seasons we have to pull on a different style or genre of leadership to help us be most effective and add value to our current context. So I heard as you were talking about <clears throat> your decision to retire yes. after 20 years, right? Uh -huh. And leading through the pandemic in a place of fear and anxiety, mm. right? Which I think a lot of us who were leading through the pandemic were leading out of a place of fear and anxiety into yet another time of fear and anxiety yes. in the global church yes with splits right and then just what does the world look like now mm. so what are you finding is helping folks lead better and yeah. lead differently mm. that take us out of the fear and anxiety and take us into being able to embrace what comes next yeah so this isn't my quote. Uh, the person who is our co-facilitator today, uh, Louise Jackson, gave a quote from a book resource, and it says, change is external, transition is internal. And when you really think about what people struggle the most with, it's not necessarily change, it's transition. Uh, change is external. We don't have a choice. Uh, sometimes people make those choices for us. What we can control is how we respond to the change that is happening around us. And that's the work of transition. And to be honest, uh, you can get stuck in transition because it can be so difficult and so overwhelming that it's almost hard to move forward. And so my hope and inspiration as we look at the world, uh, whether it's the church, economy, the banking system now, there are a lot of things that are changing around us that we didn't get a vote on or we don't get a chance to offer our opinion. But what we do get to do is to control our reaction to what's happening around us. So I think leaders who are leaning into these moments are realizing can't control everything, but I can decide as a leader, I'm going to find the positive. I'm going to find the hope. I'm going to find my niche. I'm going to find where God wants me to be. And this is what I believe. And some people may doubt it. We are living in the greatest evangelistic season of our lifetime. It is right now. If you were looking for a perfect moment to reach the world for Jesus Christ, this is your moment. Are there reasons that it may be difficult? 1.1 million. But <laughs> the good news is when we think about the move of the church and those great moments in the life of the capital C church, universal church, it was never an easy moment. It was always yeah. filled with chaos and tension right, and anxiety. Right. Yep. 
this is our moment as leaders to be the mm -hmm. church of Jesus Christ and reach the world. I love that. Amen. Thank you. Amen. <laughs> and I and I love your constant conversations about having uh, teams. Yes. That you're not supposed to do this alone. No. And I think oftentimes I think of myself when I was uh, pastoring through the pandemic and a lot of the clergy uh, colleagues I was in uh, conversation with during that time, that there was a always a sense of overwhelmed mm. and also feeling like I have to do this by myself. Yes. And I know a lot of folks who were burned out yes. during the pandemic. So um, I guess what are some of the conversations you have with folks in your coaching, but also with yourself? Yeah. Uh, how are you taking care of yourself as a leader? Yeah. What are some things that you do Olu, mm -hmm. uh, to keep yourself in check and to take mm -hmm. care of yourself as a leader? So some of the things that I have done consistently before the pandemic, but had to um, scale those up. Um, one is exercise and be very intentional um, about having an exercise routine for two different reasons. One, it helps me emotionally and uh, manage just all of the different fears and, and, and things that I uh, go through in my daily life. Uh, but two, so I can eat what I want to eat. But no, <laughs> that's not good. Um, but uh, the second thing that I, I do is I've always had uh, a relationship with a therapist. Mm. And before COVID-19, we were checking in about once a quarter. And during COVID-19, we checked in literally every two weeks. And now prayerfully in a post-COVID-19 world, uh, we check in now once a month. So it's the exercise. It's the therapy. I wish I could say I had the strong devotional life I have now when I was a pastor, but now not as a pastor. Yeah, it's funny. <laughs> my devotional life is stronger than it's ever been. And uh, and I really feel, I don't know if you can say I'm great with God, but I, I really feel good about my relationship with God. Yeah. And so maintaining that devotional life and that devotional presence. And the other part, because I get a chance to travel a good bit, I get a chance to see the ecumenical church in so many mm. different ways that really does, you know, feed and speak to my soul. But then just the other cool, crazy stuff. I, I love going to the movies. Uh, I'm not sure if any Ted Lasso friends are, uh, are, are listening, but new series is out. Yep, Can't wait. Yep. You know, I just pray I don't watch it all in one day. So I got to spread those things out, you know, uh, when I'm, when I'm, you know, just watching a lot of those things that are on demand. So trying to do the things that other people are doing, stay in community, stay with yeah. God and, be able to, you know, remain faithful to yourself. Yeah. That's awesome. Thank you. Mm. Yeah. So the last time you were here, and I'm really interested to kind of hear how you're going to answer this question. Mm. <laughs> you talked about um, how you you predicted, right? So we did some prophecy last time <laughs> oh. you were here <laughs> about big box style mm. mega churches, yeah. how they'll be less and less, yeah. and that there's going to be an increase in these boutique style churches. Yeah. So how do you think that that, prophecy has mm. come and formed and do you have any thoughts about what it will yeah. look like in the future i mean we're seeing it real time as a, yeah. a church consultant i mean there are churches before the pandemic that had unused space but then to go three years and for some churches they may not have returned in person yet yeah. and it literally caused them to ask the question what is this space for and they discovered they were still reaching people for Jesus Christ. Now, I'm not teaching and preaching, go get rid of your square footage. I'm not saying that necessarily, but for churches that are redeveloping and having different conversations with builders and architects, the past three years is really informing that. You've got large facilities that are now being dissected into other uses and other purposes, becoming more creative, innovative, collaborative. Yeah. And so I still believe now what I believe then 
I believe, healthy, vital, growing faith communities in one image, not the only image, <laughs> will be smaller boutique style uh, faith communities that really focus in on three or four things. And then they have relationship with other folks who are down the road or another city that do another three or four things. And, and we partner those kind of things up together. We can't be all things to all people mm -hmm. um, because it's just not effective. And it's not, I believe, where the vitality and health is going. So still preaching and teaching the same thing, same thing. Um, smaller okay. focused boutique model. I like it. Yeah. What are some examples of these uh, boutique models you've seen yeah. now that you're mm -hmm. traveling across the country? So in some cases, it's uh, a throwback to the beginning. So house churches, mm -hmm. house churches. Uh, of yeah. course, small groups, dinner churches. Um, had a great opportunity uh, with uh, two individuals in San Diego who are a part of um, a church and they're starting a new expression within that church. And uh, since they began, they've been meeting um, on a Sunday evening. Okay. Yep. in a really cool eclectic space and they'll be you know doing some other things in the future but each of these are expressions of people um creating resources of worship resources of community so whether you are online or in person you can still feel that there is a place for you um so a lot of great things are are, are going on yep. yeah i think that's a good question too to ask you know, I think we're all navigating. What do we do with our buildings? Yes, right. As they <clears throat> and and even those of us who don't have large facilities, mm -hmm. but I think that question of what is this space for? Yes, who is this space mm -hmm. for? How are we serving our mission mm -hmm. to, you know, make disciples and transform the world mm -hmm. with our space? It's a good place to start those conversations. Yeah, it is, yeah. and it's very needed and necessary. I'll be interested to see how the next ten years goes with yeah. space use, space development. Um, but it all goes back to that commentary I gave earlier. This is the greatest evangelistic season of our lifetime. Yeah. And, and we have to lean in in whatever shape, form or fashion we offer the gospel. Yeah, I love it. Mm -hmm. Awesome. So, uh, Olu, what advice do you give to rising new aspiring leaders? <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're just starting out in their own yeah. leadership journey. Uh, what qualities should they focus on developing? What mistakes yeah. maybe they can avoid? Yeah. You know, uh, talking a lot about character, um, this quote is not exact, but life can elevate you to places where your character can't keep you. Mm -hmm. And so get character right. My executive coach who I work with uh, in his book talks about the front stage and the backstage. And so many leaders live on the front stage, but it's not sustainable. And the backstage is in disrepair. And so it's not always something that's going to get you a bunch of followers on social media <laughs> because those aren't the things that we, we talk about a lot, but investing in your backstage, building the strength of character, building the strength of the ethics of work and the ethics of relationships and the ethics of accountability, all of those types of things. So that when you are on the front stage, it doesn't become about the front stage. It mm -hmm. doesn't become about the applause. It doesn't become about the followers. It doesn't become about the size of your church or all of those kind of things or whatever uh, type of leadership um, and organization you're a part of, but you know, um, as you come from the backstage to the front stage that you are okay with yourself, you're okay with God and whatever happens on that front stage, it will be okay. And then a, a second or, or third piece of advice that I would give is pace yourself. 
Uh, one friend uh, told me this years ago, and it's true, even now I have to be careful. There's always a next. And if you're mm. not careful, you will chase next. Yeah. I even named the book Normalizing Next. But um, <laughs> it's the difference between living in your now um, mm. and knowing there's a next coming, but don't forfeit your now uh, for your future. And I think so many leaders are always focused on what they can do next. Mm that one, they forget to nurture their now, and two, to celebrate um, and really give God praise for even the things that are imperfect in their now, but to celebrate um, that current reality. Yeah. I think during the pandemic, I definitely experienced that because mm. there were so many moments to pivot and change. Yes. There was always the next thing to do, next yep. thing to do, next thing to do. And there was, I think it was about a year into the pandemic. And I said, wait, we forgot to celebrate. Mm -hmm. Yep. Mm -hmm. We've come a long way yeah. and we've done some amazing work together mm -hmm. as a church. Mm -hmm. Let's pause. That's and it. Celebrate. Yeah. yeah. It's so it's very easy to forget that, mm -hmm. especially for those who are in transition, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And we're all in transition in some way or another and uh because to live is to be in transition. Yeah. And um to be thankful and and be prayerful about the future but don't lose sight of all the good things that God is doing right now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we hear you're working on a new book. Yes. What, what What's the new book about? You want to give us a little <clears throat> teaser about it? So this book is about faith. Haven't named it yet, okay. but easy peasy read for people who aren't deeply spiritual and mm -hmm. helping them to celebrate and understand that they have faith and how to nurture that faith and how to walk in it. Yeah. But also for some folks who may be a little bit more spiritual in that topic, to feel as if there are two or three things that they can learn as well. So faith is going to be the topic of it and somewhere in the title, hoping that yeah. will come out before the end of the year. Hmm. And um, my mother asked because she looked, said all the books that I've written and basically said, oh, when are you going to write something, you know, that everybody can kind of read kind of deal. <laughs> but Because uh, a lot of it is really about leadership and, right, and, right. and that yeah. kind of deal. And, and that wasn't the only inspiration for it, but I also believe uh, in every arena, every profession, every industry, whether you call it faith or not, it comes into play. And I think it'll be something that uh, can help a, a great number of people. That sounds awesome. Yeah. Awesome. yeah. You got you got like uh, chapter titles? I'm just curious. Yeah. So the way I write, I'm not disciplined enough, but, um, <laughs> and this is really old school. I actually have to handwrite it first and really? then apply it to the digital format. So even normalizing <laughs> next at one point was a yeah. written manuscript. And oh, so what wow. I do is I, I take a bunch of sheets of copy paper and staple them. And then as I'm traveling out and about, even waiting in line, I can easily pull it out and uh, and can work on a particular topic or a particular chapter. Wow. And then, and it takes a little bit more time, yeah. then I'll yeah. translate it to the digital print. Wow. Yeah. I just want to give a shout out to a uh, pastoral intern who's in college now who mm -hmm. uh, worked with me. His name is Braden Debrinio. Okay. And Braden, yeah. I love Braden. And I, I, I still have faith that he's uh, one of our future church leaders yeah. who's really going to take us far. Uh, he just doesn't know it yet. Um, <laughs> But he interned with me for for a, a year, and I remember we were trying to do some scheduling, and I take out my phone mm. to schedule something on my phone, and he takes out his writ his wow physical planner. I love yeah. my with physical a pen. planner. Yeah, mm -hmm. and I'm like, aren't you Gen Z? Yeah, yeah. And he's like, yeah. Mm -hmm. And he's like, I have a written calendar mm -hmm. on my wall mm -hmm. in my room mm -hmm. where I schedule things, but yeah. this is. 
He yeah. puts everything, it's pen and paper for yeah. him. And, so. that, and it works, you know, uh, your style is your style. And, and I fluctuate, but typically with writing books and uh, even sometimes sermons or other things that I'm communicating, um, beginning with the written form helps me um, just to kind of process it through. Yeah. All right, yeah. cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. In terms of your title, I, I just keep thinking about mustard seeds. <laughs> oh, but man, is that man. too on the nose? I don't know. I don't know. I'm thinking but like ketchup and be... mustard or something. <laughs> I know it's going to be something about faith because yeah, yeah. I also want it to be uh, something that catches the eye with first glance. Right. And that's just kind of a real uh, strong word in culture. And it translates it does. Um, yeah. across culture as well. For sure. Geography. So. Hopefully it'll be something that will cause people to be interested more than that. Awesome. All right. Well, I'll be sure to check it out when it comes out. I'm excited. Thank you. And, and people can always find uh, all of the resources for me at Olu Brown, O-L-U-B-R-O-W-N uh, dot com, uh, the website and um, some other books. I was um, recently in an annual conference and a woman came up to me in almost tears about a book called Leadership Directions from Moses. Yes. And so yep. it's always wonderful yeah, yeah, to yeah. hear people yeah. be excited. And and this is uh, kind of sharing from my own personal story. And I, I shared it with the uh, group earlier today. Many of those books were written in some of the most difficult times of my life. And when I look at the title of that book, I can remember what I was experiencing. Mm -hmm. And to hear people affirm that the book helped them uh, really says that it was worth it in so many different ways. Yeah. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. It's not easy. No, yeah. it no, is not. not. It is no, not easy. no. It's a lot of other things you can do. Uh, and I used to say this about church planning to people who wanted to plant a church. I said, if there's anything else you can do and be happy other than plant a church, do it. Do that. Yeah. Do that. Uh -huh. Yeah. But if you're listening, I don't want to discourage you from planting a church if that's what the Lord yeah, has told you to don't do. Don't discourage people, Olu, because no. we need more church planters more than ever right yeah. now in the church. We do. We do. It is true. Yeah. It is true. Yeah. It's a great opportunity to be in ministry. Yeah. yeah. Thank you, Olaf, for being on the podcast. Is there any questions that we should have been, we should have asked you, like burning questions to which you have amazing answers to, we just didn't ask you? No, this has been great. If anything, I'll leave with a word of encouragement to leaders, both clergy and lay, um, who sometimes get discouraged, that I always say life is worth living even when it's difficult. And ministry is worth doing even when it's difficult because. Um, one author, Bruce Wilkerson, um, one of his books, Dream Giver, I heard him talk in person one day and he talked about getting to heaven and seeing this panoramic picture of our life and the things that we were able to accomplish. And I think so many of us have no idea of the lives we influence and impact. And I just dream of this day of being in heaven and God, at that time, it probably won't even be a LED. It'll be something uh, just really cool and innovative shows you all of the faces over the course of your mm -hmm. lifetime. People you never knew you impacted, never even met. Uh, and as Bruce Wilkerson will say, the tears that will well up in our eyes. So I just want you to know you're impacting people. You are an influencer. Uh, you matter <laughs> yeah, to yeah. God. You matter to the world. You matter to your family. You matter to your community. And most importantly, you matter to yourself. You Amen. are God's greatest creation. Uh. I love it. Amen. 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 Thank you. Thank you. you Our final ask? question. Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. It? So you may remember this from the last time that you were on this podcast, but we are the Uncovered Dish yes. podcast because we're Methodist and we really like our covered dish flavors. Yeah. So if you could only eat one food mm. for the rest of your life, <laughs> breakfast, lunch, and dinner, what would it be? 
Yeah. So I'm a big fan of Chick-fil-A. And, uh, uh, it would be. The, I think that was your last. I don't remember. Probably, was that your so answer? I, five minutes? Man, I think it man. was. I have to but go back and check. Because I'm an experienced Chick-fil-A person, it would be the number one deluxe with American cheese. And there's a sauce that people don't know about unless you're a veteran Chick-fil-A uh, person and they don't put it out. It's called the honey roasted sauce, the honey roasted oh, barbecue sauce. I don't know this. It's special order. You got to ask for it. Honey roasted all, sauce. Yes, this honey roasted barbecue. barbecue sauce. Okay, honey and it's barbecue. almost like they mix the Chick-fil-A and the Polynesian together oh. as one. Yeah, it's good stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I literally have the Chick Fil A sauce and the Polynesian next to each other, and I yeah. double dip. <laughs> You're yes. telling me they would yes. mix it for me? Yes. So, they will do the hard work for you. Yeah, <laughs> I've been doing the it wrong next, this entire time. The next time you're there, uh, ask for the honey roasted barbecue <laughs> sauce, and they'll right. go, you know, behind the counter. Uh, wow. You know, and pre COVID, they used to leave a lot of stuff out, but uh, but this is a, a special request sauce. I like it. Yeah. That's a good, I like this. I walk away today <laughs> enlightened. <laughs> yeah. Not now, just in terms of Chick-fil-A, but yeah. yeah enlightened. Now the Primarily. <laughs> now on, on the dessert side, uh, order a kid's cup ice cream if you're into that kind of stuff. And then get a cookie and then take the cookie, warm it up a little bit, break it up in uh, a cup, and then just... Throw that ice cream on top okay. of it. I'm going to Chick-fil-A with Olu Brown. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so yeah. next time. Because yeah. I'm sure there are other things I'm doing oh, wrong. Like. Next next, next time we invite you on the podcast, we're not going to be at yeah. the conference office. We're going to be at Chick-fil-A. Let's do it at Chick-fil-A. <laughs> yeah. 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 Just humble brag. Uh, so like the church member I served at before, uh, her name was Siomada. And uh, she came to our church, was another young family, same age as our family. <laughs> and we got real close. They had three kids, same mm -hmm. age as our kid. We got very close. And then... Um, she uh, was chosen to be one of the first Chick-fil-A franchise owners wow. in Puerto Rico. Wow. Ooh. And so she went down. She she prayed about it because she had a good job. Her husband had a good mm. job here. Like, maybe we shouldn't do it. Mm. But she got selected one out of 36,000. Mm. Mm. And she prayed about it. She felt the Lord told her to go. So she got up and left and mm. she went. And then like a year later, I get a call. She says, hey, we're opening up the store. Can you come and pray for us? Mm. And so I went and that was right at my wife and I's uh, 10th uh, wedding anniversary. Yeah. yeah. So we celebrated our 10 year anniversary in Puerto Rico, wow. traveled the island and we had a lot of good chicken. I bet. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. It's um, a great was place. A blessing. Yeah. So. My, my Chick-fil-A story, not that good. Okay. At all. It, it didn't take you to Puerto Rico. No, no, it did not. Mm. I was in Atlanta mm. for um, Festival of Homiletics. Yes. And I really wanted to meet Walter Brueggemann. Okay. And we just ran out of time. And so we walked to Chick-fil-A mm. and Walter Brueggemann was in Chick-fil-A. He was there. Wow. Did you get to meet him? I did. Yeah. We were like, Walter Brueggemann. Yeah. yeah. And he stared at us like, why are you talking to me yeah. in Chick-fil-A? It's like, ah. So good. The people yeah. you meet in Chick-fil-A. That's beautiful. Yeah, really? Yeah. Yeah. That is a beautiful story. That's a great story, right? I love that. So, yeah, whenever I, I'm, I have to go back to Puerto Rico and yeah. Uh, yeah. have some more Chick-fil-A. So, that's incredible. And now yeah. you know how to upgrade your order. Yeah. Upgrade my order. Yeah. Honey roasted barbecue. Honey roasted barbecue. You special request. Praise the Lord. It will not be offered unless oh, you ask for it. I'll be baptized in this new sauce. <laughs> yeah. Next time I'm in chick fil -A. <laughs> Amen. Hey, Olu, thank you thank so much you. for Pleasure, coming yeah. on the thank podcast. Yeah. On the podcast with us was Olu Brown. You can find out more about him and his books at olubrown.com. That's O-L-U-B-R-O-W-N.com. And be sure to check out the new book. 
uh, Normalizing Next, a post-COVID-19 resource for church leaders. And also be sure to be on the lookout for his new book on faith coming yes. out hopefully before the end of the year. By faith. By yeah. faith. Amen. <laughs> We're going to get faith. done. <laughs> well, thanks again for being on the podcast with us. Thank you both. Thanks. All right. Take care.